We're continuing our series in Galatians today, celebrating and studying about the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ. That really is the purpose of this gospel that Paul was teaching us and is for us today, knowing that we've been set free through Jesus. And the gospel says that it's only by God's grace that we've been saved. You can't save yourself. You just have to receive this grace as a free gift from God. It's by faith we've been saved. But then the problem was these guys were going around and they were telling the Christians in Galatia that, you know, it's good that you believe in Jesus, but it's not good enough. You also have to practice the Jewish laws and the customs of the Jewish tradition if you really wanna be saved. It's what we call today legalism. Boo. And so Paul wrote this letter saying, that's not true. You cannot earn your salvation. It's Jesus and nothing else that saves you. So today I'm going to talk to you about sons versus slaves. Galatians chapter three, verse 23 says, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. So a lot of times Christians today, we talk about the law like it's our enemy, like it's a bad guy. And that's not the truth. That's not what it was. God gave the law as a part of his grace. It was meant to protect people and help them understand right from wrong. And so following the law was how people were made right with God before. It was a temporary covering of God's grace over their sins. And we really think of the law as a bad guy, but it wasn't. It was really a friend to us. It was, it was a friend, but kind of like an annoying friend. You know, you guys have an annoying friend that you still kind of keep in touch with. It was like a chaperone, if you will. Nobody wants a chaperone, do they? I remember when I was young, I was going to camp in the summer and I had, you know, one, one of my main goals for going to camp was, you know, to eat a lot of candy and dessert, but also I was hoping to meet a lady. <laughs> Whoever God might bring along, I was open to that possibility. And it would be like, hey, at nighttime, you want to go for a walk? Just see what happens. See where the mood carries us. And then right when you're there trying to work your move, some counselor jump out of the woods with a flashlight. <laughs> hey, kids, what are you doing over there? And you're like, come on, man. I don't need a chaperone. But now you look back and you're like, I, I did need one. I, I did need a chaperone. That's spiritually, you know, what the law was. It was a chaperone. We grew up and we're like, I'm a big boy now. I want my freedom. Remember when you found your freedom, when you got your driver's license? I remember I got my driver's license. My mom and dad, they foolishly gave me the keys to their cars. And I managed to crash each of their cars in a six-month period. And then State Farm stepped in like a protective guardian. And it said, you shall not drive anymore. And I didn't until I was 18. Thank you, God, for the law, right? But then now that Jesus has come, we've received freedom, we've grown up, and we don't need a guardian. It goes on to say in verse 26, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. 
There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Isn't that good? You know, I told the 9.30 a.m. service this morning that you guys in the 11 o'clock service had now surpassed them in passion. We're not afraid to talk trash in this church. So they're starting their comeback. You got to stay ahead of them. I love this topic today. We think about this equality that we have in Christ, that this passage says there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. In America today, we don't quite get the full impact of that, I think, because in America, we celebrate the fact that we're all created equal before God. It's one of the best things about our country. And so I think it's funny how we're then so fascinated about the class divides that existed Historically, we like shows about the different classes, like any Downton Abbey fans in here? Yeah, all the ladies, and I'm secure enough in my masculinity. I'll just tell you, I loved that show. I just loved the British accents. It was peaceful. I loved it. We love these shows about the royalty and the commoner. It's so curious to us. It's interesting. And historically, there was this great class divide, but it wasn't interesting. It was depressing. Because the moment you were born, the moment you were conceived even, depending on who you were born to, who you were going to be living with, it pretty much set your future in stone. It was kind of going to limit your destiny, depending on if you were born to free people or slaves. Uh, If you were a man or if you were a woman, that determined your opportunities in society. If you were a child, there was very little in place to protect children. So they were treated at the time as like one level above cattle. Before Jesus, there was a spiritual class divide. There were God's people and there were his enemies. And if you were a Jewish person, you had the opportunity to receive God's blessing. If you were non-Jewish, aka Gentiles, then you were not a part of God's, his people, his family. If you wanted to be in good standing with God in the Old Testament times, you had to become a Jew and follow all the traditions of the Jewish custom and everything that that included, including circumcision. So, Imagine if your friends invited you to church and you were like, hey, well, what does it all involve? And they were like, well, a little bit of surgery, you know, (laughs) if you want to be part of us, snip, snip. (laughs) Then amongst the Jews, only men could be priests. So only men could go into God's presence. Think about how terrible that is, really. Like, imagine if we had church today, but, but no women could come to church. It was only guys. This room would stink, one. There'd be a mess just everywhere. The only furniture in the church would be beanbags and futons, I'm pretty sure. So I'm so glad that women can participate in this. You don't have to just hear secondhand information about what it was like to be in God's presence. In the Old Testament times, there was the spiritual elite and there were outsiders, outsiders. And still we see little hints of this today, even in Christian churches. Have you ever gone to a church where you walk in and it's very obvious that there is an in crowd and the outsiders where you come in and and you know, you don't really know what to expect. And then all of a sudden you start getting the stink eye. Like, who are you? You come to church dressed like that? Where's your suit? Where's your tie? You don't look like us. You don't talk like us. You're not one of us. 
Spiritually, we were outsiders, but now through Jesus, we can be part of the in crowd. I love it. This is an amazing story of how God transforms us. I think it's why Hollywood loves the rags to riches stories. You know, we all see that guy, he was born poor and then he rises up by his bootstraps and he becomes successful. And we all cheer for that guy, don't we? Like Aladdin, my homeboy Aladdin. Everybody was trying to tell him he was a street rat. And he said, riff raff, street rat. I don't buy that. If only they'd look closer. Would they see a poor boy? No, siree. They'd find out there's so much more to me. And we're like, yes, you tell him, Aladdin. Tell him. I love that guy, his confidence, the confidence to wear a vest with no shirt underneath. Oh, I do not have the abs for that, but he does. We love it. And Aladdin, his destiny was changed when he found a genie and he wished to be made a prince. Right? And now, now bad news, you're not going to find a genie, but you can find the God of the universe who can transform you and change your destiny and turn you into royalty through Jesus. In verse 27, which we read there, it says that those who unite with Christ through baptism, like we just saw, they have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. You've received a spiritual makeover, if you will. And now there is no class divide based on your sex or your, so, your social standing or your ethnicity. And now we see that through Jesus, we're made equal. We are not made righteous because of our race. We do not get influence because of our income. We do not get access because of our affluence. We were outsiders, but now we are in because we've received a new identity through Jesus who has leveled the playing field between rich and poor, slave and free, man and woman. The Bible says we are all one in Christ and you are his heirs. God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That's what we experience through Jesus. Now, who is Abraham? If you're new to church and you've never heard of Father Abraham had many sons, Many sons had Father Abraham. So we have like a lot of non-church people in our church who like didn't grow up in church. And so you just think I'm crazy right now. But that's a thing. Going back to Sunday school days. Abraham was the father of the Hebrew faith, the Jewish faith. And he is really our, our patriarch as Christians. God he promised Abraham a son, even though Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they were very, very old, like way past childbearing years. And God said, it's okay, you're gonna get it on and have a son. And we don't really wanna think about that mental image, but it's so great, right? Great. Isaac, their son was born at a very, very old age. Finally, this promise, this promised son came and God tested Abraham's faith when he said, I want you to take your son Isaac and sacrifice him. As in literally Indiana Jones in the temple of doom sacrifice, right? But it was a test. God did not let him go through with it. And right as Abraham was about to do it, because he's like, hey, you're God, I guess I'm just going to do what you say. An angel came from the Lord and said, stop, stop. You don't need to go through with it. God was basically making a point. 
right? How terrible would it be to sacrifice your own son? Who would do that? No, nobody would do that. But Jesus was going to come into the world as God's son, and he wanted us to see this allusion to how great of a sacrifice God the Father made, allowing his son to be killed in our place so that our sins could be forgiven. In Genesis 22, this is what we read. It says, this is what the Lord says, to Abraham here, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. So this is a promise to Abraham that Paul says that we now receive, that you can be blessed because of Jesus. You can have peace in your life. You can have hope. You can have a successful marriage and a promise for your future. He says that like Abraham, we'll receive victory over our enemies. We'll receive victory over sin and victory over death. And like Abraham, people will be blessed through you because you're gonna get to come along and tell them, here's how you find peace. Here's how you find hope. Let me share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. It's the greatest blessing I could share with you at all. And it was through the descendants of Abraham that Jesus came into the earth. That's how he was a blessing to all people. There are websites, you know, where you can go and look up your name and find out if there is any outstanding money which is owed to you. Did you know this is a thing? You can go, there, there are some things like maybe you worked somewhere one time and you never got your last paycheck. Maybe you thought you did and it's sitting there waiting for you. Maybe you had a, a relative, an uncle or an aunt die in some other place in the country and they left you an inheritance, but you didn't even know it was there. They didn't know how to get a hold of you. So you can go and there's these government websites you can put your name in and it will say there's this, this money with your name on it and you, you really can just come and receive it. Did you know about this? All you guys are gonna go home and Google this, I'm sure, right? You should. And I think about this inheritance, which we have received through Jesus, which so many Christians have yet to claim for themselves. This promise that God says, I will bless you and bless others through you. Because we've been kind of tricked. There's been this kind of thing in Christianity where these people come along just like they did back then and they'll try to trip you up and tell you that you have to follow certain rules and guidelines if you want to receive God's love. They'll say that you don't deserve God's love because you haven't got your act together yet. They'll say if people only knew what you were really like, then you would not even come to church on Sunday because you'd get struck by a bolt of lightning. These legalistic Judaizers just like existed in Bible times. They tell you if you don't, you know, talk the way they talk, if you watch those types of movies where like Aladdin, where people walk around bare chested, right? If you, if you have premarital sex, it could lead to dancing, you know? That's a joke for the church people too. Um, and they were telling people, you know, you have to follow the legal, the, the laws, the rules, the customs. And Paul, the apostle who wrote this book of Galatians, he was mad. 
Like he was furious that people were going around and perverting the gospel. In fact, in Galatians chapter five, he says about these Judaizers who wanted the Christians to get circumcised. He goes, I wish instead of trying to get you to mutilate yourselves, they would just mutilate themselves and finish the job and castrate themselves. Like that's in the Bible. Did you know that? It's intense. If you just read the Old Testament, now you might be confused when you read about Abraham that he was saved because of obedience. And you got to understand, it wasn't his actual obedience, the action that saved him. It was his faith. And Galatians tells us this in chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Does God lavish his spirit on you and work miracles among you because you practice the law? It's a rhetorical question. So you're like, no. Or is it because you hear and believe? Yes, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. It's his faith that saved him. So we know that we are not saved by works. We're saved by faith. We're not saved by doing good. We're saved by God's grace. We're not saved by the law. We're saved by God's love. And don't let anybody tell you anything different other than that. Yet so many people get trapped in legalism. Christians who know better, who hear the truth, they live their lives believing that they're not really free, that they're not really worthy of God's love. Have you ever heard this fable about uh, the lion who, uh, who believed he was a sheep? Have you heard this Aesop's fable? This farmer was walking along and he found a little lion cub and he took it home with him and he gave it milk and he put it out to the pasture with his sheep. And so the little lion cub played with the sheep and grew up with the sheep and ate grass like the sheep and it even bad like the sheep. And then one day the farmer took his flock out, but this giant, huge jungle lion came out and it roared and all the sheep were afraid and they ran away. And the young lion was there and it was quivering. It was afraid. It was saying, don't eat me. I'm so afraid. And the jungle lion was like, what are you afraid of? I'm not going to eat you. He's like, yes, you are. You're going to eat me because I'm a sheep and you're a lion. And the jungle lion says, you're not a sheep. You're a lion. And the little, little young, young, young lion, he's like, no, I'm not, a, I'm not a lion. I'm a sheep. And so the jungle lion says, come follow me. And he takes him to a lake and he shows him his reflection. And the young lion says, I am a lion. And he lets out a roar. See, there's a lot of Christians who believe that there's something that they're really not. Paul says in his gospel, don't return to slavery. Well, do you know that when Jesus has set you free, Satan cannot enslave you, but he can trick you into believing you're a slave. When God has actually set you free and made you his child. So that's the greatest strategy of Satan is to tell sons that they're slaves and to tell daughters that they're debtors. And historically, we see that in America, after the Emancipation Proclamation and the slaves were freed, there were some people who had been set free, but they had a hard time shaking off that slave mindset. In the same way, there are Christians who've been set free through Jesus and they have a hard time shaking off the mindset that they have to earn their salvation. You got to learn the difference, the difference in behavior between the thinking of a son and a slave, a daughter and a debtor. I want to talk about the difference of sons versus slaves and daughters versus debtors. Slaves are forced to labor. Sons are free to enjoy the fruit of the labor. Debtors must pay off their debts. Daughters are free to shop with dad's money. 
Slaves try to cover up their mistakes. Sons are quick to call their dad for backup. Debtors owe, daughters own. Slaves hide from the authorities. Sons live in authority. Debtors are consumed by insecurity and daughters are confident in their value. Slaves have to prove their worth with productivity. A son knows his worth comes from his identity. There's a huge difference between slaves and sons. You have to recognize the difference. Paul tries to help us. So in chapter four, he gives us an example. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance from, for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age the father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. It looks totally different when Christians act like slaves instead of sons or when daughters act like debtors. There's a difference in lifestyle, there's a difference in thinking, and I promise that all of us at some point have wrestled with some thinking that, that really we shouldn't. It's the slave mindset, the debtor mindset. Maybe it exists in your life and you don't even realize it. You've gotta see the difference, what it looks like for a Christian to think this way. Slaves, they sin and they run away and hide from God. Sons sin and run towards and hide in God. Debtors miss church for a few weeks and then they feel awkward coming back because it's been too long. Daughters walk in the door and say, I'm back, did you miss me? <laughs> Slaves expect God to fire them when they mess up. Sons know they'll always get another chance. Debtors don't want people to know about their baggage. Daughters know sharing her struggles makes her stronger. Slaves wake up each day afraid of how they might disappoint God. Sons wake up excited for new opportunities to please God. Debtors say, I can't serve, I'm too busy. Daughters say, I serve because it's what we do in my family. Slaves can't give in the offering because they're afraid they won't have enough. Sons know I can give because there's always more where that came from. Debtors think giving results in less for me. Daughters know giving results in more for me. Slaves view paying uh, tithes as taxes. Sons view tithing as investing in God's kingdom. And because we're heirs, his kingdom is our kingdom. <laughs> Debtors read the Bible as a chore. Daughters read the Bible to understand how to enjoy her inheritance. Slaves are afraid to ask God for help. Sons know a father loves to help his children. Debtors worry that God is mad at them. Daughters never question a father's affection. Slaves find ways around the rules. Sons appreciate the boundaries that keep them safe. Daughters view the job as a burden. Or debtors view the job as a burden. And daughters view the mission as a calling. 
Slaves make excuses, sons make a difference. Debtors endure church, daughters enjoy church. Slaves think of God as an angry master and sons know God as a loving father. You are not a slave any longer. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. He has set you free. Do not go back to the old way of thinking. You cannot go back. Do not be tricked by the enemy. Do not allow your inheritance to be taken from you. Claim who you are in Jesus. Live in that freedom. We've been set free in Christ. You are an heir, a favored son of God, a daughter with an inheritance. You have been made royalty through Jesus. The enemy is gonna try to come and try to get you as a Christian to live as if Jesus never set you free. Religious people will come and they'll try to impose rules on you and regulations. They'll try to guilt trip you because you don't talk the way they talk, that you don't serve the way they serve, you don't look the way they look. Satan, your enemy, will come and he will try to condemn you. He'll try to tell you you're still guilty. He'll tell you that your past is still a problem and that you cannot come into God's presence with confidence. And here's what you say when anyone comes against you and tries to steal your freedom. You say, hashtag God's heir, don't care. You just tell them like it is. You can try to condemn me. You can try to change my identity, but I do not care because I know who I am through Jesus Christ. A son does not have to earn his inheritance. A daughter does not have to deserve God's favor. You receive it because of your identity through Jesus. It's a different mindset and it leads to different living. So I need all the men to repeat after me, say, I am not a slave. I am his son. I need all the, the women to repeat after me, say, I am not a debtor. I am, not a debtor. I am his daughter. That's what I'm talking about. You gotta know who you are. Listen, you have got to wake up every day as a follower of Jesus and choose to live in freedom. It's a conscious choice to walk in freedom and confidence as a follower in Jesus. Once you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, your freedom is established and secure and nobody can take it away. So don't let them, don't let them try. Would you guys bow your heads as we pray? I wanna take a moment if you're here this morning and you say, I wanna take this step of faith and give my life to Jesus Christ. I know that I have sinned and I cannot save myself, but I realize now I see that Jesus, he died for my sins. I believe it and I wanna be forgiven. I believe that he rose again. The Bible says that if you call out on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And so really, if you're here this morning and say, I need to take this step of faith. I wanna make a new beginning in my life. I wanna receive this inheritance and become a child of God. You can, it's just by taking this step of faith and deciding to trust God. So right here, if you're here this morning and you think to yourself, this is me, this is what I want. This is what I've been looking for. I want you between you and God right now, just to slip your hand up as a way of responding, saying, that's me. I wanna take that step today. I wanna to be a child of God. That's awesome, ma'am, I see your hand. Anyone else say, that's me. I need to do this today. Thanks, sir, in the back. Anybody else say, that's me. I just wanna take one more minute. Thank you, that's awesome. All right, let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned and I cannot save myself, but I believe that you died for my sins and I believe that you rose again. 
so that I could have victory over sin and death. So now I give you my life. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand to your feet today? Let's just celebrate and give God praise for this new creation he has created us to be. He is a good God, isn't he? Don't let anybody take your freedom. Come on, let's sing this out. Let's give God praise that he has set